0: Let us open our Bibles to the epistle of Jude, written by the Apostle Judas, brother of James, son of Elpheus. We have made our way to the fifth verse. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. There is a time and there is a place where we need to remember the judgment of God even against His own people. In this verse, it's His own people. It's the church in the wilderness. This is the church of God. The next verse will not be the church of God. It will be the fallen angels. They have no relationship to the church except its enemies. And then we have Sodom and Gomorrah in the seventh verse. All three of these examples are categories of people, large categories of people, large numbers of people. Numbers do not mean a thing to the God of heaven. The majority does not mean a thing to the God of heaven. Popularity. Political correctness, approval by others, does not mean a thing to the God of heaven. Right, right. He is looking for truth. And truth has only been held by a very small number of people in all ages of the world. This world is an enemy of truth. It walks according to the prince of the power of the air who was a liar from the beginning. And who tried to overthrow the truth of God's word. But we need to remind ourselves of this lesson. Jude, not being the Apostle Paul or one of his companions, was a minister of the circumcision. Therefore, his audience would have been primarily Jewish. And the Jews would have known this story better than we. And yet, he would write and say, I will therefore put you in remembrance. I will therefore put you in remembrance. Therefore... Oh, our earnest contending for the faith once delivered to the saints is because there are certain men crept in unawares who turn the grace of God into lasciviousness and deny the only Lord God, and they deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I need to remind you of what God does to such men. Lest you be like them, lest you fear them, Lest you think they're going to get away with their crimes against me. I will therefore put you in remembrance. The Apostle Peter would add the generation of the flood. If you have read Second Peter two a couple times over the last few weeks, you know that it is a very similar chapter to the Epistle of Jude. It's, it's a great commentary on Jude. They're fraternal twins. Or sisters, whatever you would like to say about those two chapters, and when you read the one, you should read the other. In spite of what people may think or teach today, there is value and profit in seeing God's judgment of sinners, because the Bible tells us so right here and in Second Peter 2 and in many other places. That's right. Like the flood, think about it. like the flood the devil and his angels being judged, and Sodom, the just were saved from judgment. The just always survive. Right. Caleb and Joshua. Noah and his family. The elect angels. Lot was delivered out of the trouble, the destruction that fell on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The example's purpose, the reason we have these three examples here is to comfort. It's to provoke. It's to admonish us to hold fast. And it's to warn those that are living such because they're going to be judged. We have in verse 4 ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. They were before of old ordained to this condemnation. We dealt with the verse last Lord's Day. They deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That does not mean you have to say with your mouth, I hate Jesus of Nazareth. All you have to do is mess around with his doctrine. Go read Titus chapter 1 verses 14 through 16 where these men are under consideration following Jewish fables. With their mouths they profess that they know God, but in their works they deny him. No one is going to get into the churches of Jesus Christ saying, I don't believe in Jesus of Nazareth. You're going to get in by professing it, and then you're going to deny him by your works. And so we have these powerful, strong, historical warnings of what God has done in the affairs of men. How terrible are his doings to the children of men. Can you believe that in history books you have to read about the little tiny skirmishes that the world calls wars? He drowned the entire population of the planet in the days of Noah. He burned up all the cities and annihilated them in the plain of Jordan. He cast all the angels out of heaven and threw them out of their offices. Though Satan held a high and lofty office in the presence of God for sin, for an act of rebellion, for pride, I don't care what role you have today. Children, wives, love the role God's given you. Love it. Love it. Do not fight against it. Do not bark against it. Do not complain against God. Do not complain against God for this church. I am sorry you don't have a better pastor, but do not complain about it because God gave you Balaam's ass. Don't complain. Don't fight against anything God has done. He is terrible in His doings to the children of men. Don't you confuse His truth. Don't you question His truth. The Bereans never questioned the truth. That's right. Ever. That's right. Do not ever let somebody use Acts 17.11 to question the truth. They received the Word. They received it with all Readiness of mind. And they searched the Scriptures to see that these things were so. They didn't search the Scriptures to try to overthrow what they had heard. You'll never be competent enough, other than an exception by the grace of God. You don't have enough time. There isn't enough ability. Can you imagine trying to prove the Apostle Paul wrong? In the Old Testament? Come on. The man had just raised 20 people that were sitting in the first two rows because they wanted to be close to the man that had just saved their lives. He had raised them from the dead. And now he's preaching the Old Testament Scriptures and showing their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Don't you fight against Scripture. Don't you fight against truth. Receive it with a ready mind. Check the pages of Scripture to make sure that what you're hearing is indeed found in those pages, that it matches up to the best of your ability with a reasonable amount of effort, and trust the Lord. If you love the Lord, He's going to show you the truth, no matter who your pastor is. He's going to bring it to you. You don't have to go digging to find something different than your pastor is teaching you. He's going to show it to you. Look at what He's done for all of us. Aren't we all here because He's done that? In a grand scale? I will therefore put you in remembrance. Brethren, this is sober. It's very sober. This is politically incorrect to preach a message like this and to have statements like this in the Bible, how that afterward he destroyed them that believed not. I wish Joel Osteen tonight would meet the God of Psalm 66 in the staging area before he comes out on his platform. I wish he would and the Lord would humble him. And he would open the Bible to Psalm 66, then to Jude 1, 5, and 6, and 7. And then he would come out there, and he would tell them to stop that twirling globe behind him. And he would tell them, don't you give me a chord on the organ. Give me that microphone. And lock the doors. And let me cry fire. And then preach verses like this. How that afterward, the Lord destroyed them that believe not. Quit pandering to those people about how they can make more money tomorrow on the job and be promoted and have their debts paid off if they'll practice some little positive mental attitude. Preach the Word, Joel! If we play with the house of God, ministers are at the top of the list. The judgment is severe. Look at First Corinthians chapter three with me. First Corinthians three. I will therefore put you in remembrance. Brethren, Jude, Jude says, "Brethren, I just told you about the certain men that have crept in. You know some of you know them. I know them. They're there. They're ungodly men. They are turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, but God's going to have the last laugh. God will judge them. God's done it before. He's going to give three categories. And then when we come to verse 11, he's going to give three individual men. It's very personal. He doesn't want you to think that it's just crowds, where you might get lost in a crowd. Listen, if you're lost in a crowd, you're going down, because the crowd is always wrong. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. The prophet that Moses would be like Moses, that would destroy from among the people any that did not obey him. There is no other foundation. And may this church always guard our foundation, our headstone. The Lord of this church is Jesus Christ only. Only. And this is a ministerial text, but it's written to a church. Because he's talking about being laborers together with God in verse 9. He himself, the Apostle Paul, was the master builder in verse 10. And he's warning anyone else that would build on his foundation that he had laid. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. It is not Moses. Moses, David, Isaiah, any of those Old Testament prophets didn't have a clue about New Testament worship. They didn't have a clue. Peter tells us that in 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. Right, right. That the prophets of the Old Testament did not know what or what manner of time. When they prophesied of the glory of, Christ, of Jesus Christ's death and the glory that should follow, they didn't know what was coming and they didn't know when it was coming. They just wrote what God told them to. They didn't have a clue about New Testament worship. We humble ourselves to the New Testament and the New Testament is the Lord Jesus Christ. Every choice we make should exalt the Lord Jesus Christ because there isn't a thing found in Scripture that would ever detract from the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. What a terrible way to succeed. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? And if the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. This is a ministerial warning of building anything upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you build gold, silver, and precious stones, the good things, the jewels of God's Word, good. If you build wood, hay, or stubble, carnal Christianity, and all the positive mental attitude garbage that they preach today in the name of the gospel, it's going to be burned up. God will destroy the man. And the church is going to be lost because they had a pastor that led them down the primrose path of turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Back to Jude. I will put. I will therefore put you in remembrance. Of what God will do. I want you to know that this is New Testament doctrine as well as Old Testament doctrine. Do not think that our God is different. That's why I wanted you to see 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The lesson is fearful and it's comforting all at once. And the verse that tells us both sides of it is 2 Peter two nine. In the midst of this same discourse or the same lesson that Peter gives, here's how he puts it in 2 Peter two nine: The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. They're both in there. The Lord knoweth how to deliver and the Lord knoweth how to reserve. He can save and He can judge and He will do both. The just will be delivered. The unjust will are going to be judged and punished. And it's every man's choice and it's every woman's choice in this hour. You say, well, nothing's happened to me yet. That's why it hasn't happened to see if you would say something so arrogant and presumptuous. He says, I keep silent sometimes so that you'll think I'm altogether such a one as yourself. Psalm 50. But consider this, you that forget God, lest I come and tear you in pieces. Psalm 50. This is the warning we have. And when we have enemies of the truth, God will take care of them. And if we become an enemy of the truth, God will take care of us. And if we fight against the role God's given us and we reject His promises and they're not good enough to keep us motivated to live a holy Christian life, then God will punish us. And rightfully so. He's our Father in Heaven. And so we have this lesson about a whole generation that was destroyed. There's profit in remembering this. The Apostle Peter said, as long as I am in this tabernacle, I will not cease to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Your pure mind, he said, even if you're established in the present truth, I'm still going to do it. And so is Jude doing it. Jude's doing it to an audience that had known this story since they were children. And yet he says, I will therefore put you in remembrance that this is how serious it is to fight for truth. This is how serious it is. He destroyed the people of God after He brought them out of the land of Egypt. In Psalm 9.16 it says, The Lord is known by the judgment He executeth. You know, we like to sing songs about how great Thou art when through the woods and forest glades I wander. How great thou art. The Lord is known by the judgment which He, ex- which he executeth. Higeon, Selah. Meditate on it. Pause and consider. Right. The Lord is known by the judgment which He executeth. Right. That's why we have Jude one five. Even Paul in the New Testament said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Who in here this morning is not in love with the Lord God of heaven and in love with what God has set you as your set of circumstances right now in your life? Who in here wants to chafe against the truth of God's Word? Who wants to chafe that you wish you were out in one of these fancy, newfangled, purpose-driven, charismatic, seeker-sensitive, compromising, apostate churches? Don't do it. The warning is sober and serious. You know, the Lord saved Israel after 215 years by bringing them out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. He pounded Egypt and he pounded Pharaoh and brought them out, took them through the Red Sea. Do you know how how long it took before he had sworn against them in his wrath? Just a few months. Just a few months. He brought them to the edge of Canaan and they wouldn't take the land of promise. He even allowed them to send spies in because they were so timid and babies about it. He told them to go take the land. They said, we'd like to check it out, make sure we go the right way. Go ahead and send your spies. Moses said, it's a good idea. Go ahead, send your spies. And they came back and said, it's a a beautiful land. It's a wonderful land. But ten of them said, we can't take it. The cities are walled up to heaven. That's a pretty high wall. The cities are walled, you know, exaggerate stuff, right. throwing out little foolish phrases like that. Their cities weren't walled up to heaven. Their, their, their cities were walled up 20 feet high, 15 feet high, 30 feet high. They were walled up to heaven. There's Anakims there. The men are so big there, we felt like grasshoppers in their sight. They thought we were grasshoppers, too. We can't do it. And only two men would stand up Caleb and Joshua two of the spies, and said, it is a beautiful land, people. Look what God's already done for us. Let's go take it. What's going to happen to our children if we go in there and the giants get a hold of us? Our poor children. God swore in His wrath, you will never see my land. I will kill every single one of you and the children that you are so worried about. I will take into my church and into my Canaan, and I will there feed them and nourish them and make them a great nation without you, but you will never witness it, and you will rot and die in the wilderness. Have you read it in Numbers 14 and Deuteronomy chapter 1 to know the lesson well? I will therefore put you in remembrance how, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. This exhortation is for us to have faith in God and His promises and to hold fast and not move away and to be full of zeal for Him like those two men. Who cares if the whole congregation departs from the truth of God? Don't you ever depart from the truth of God. Such a rarity for those two men out of a whole nation. It tells us 600,000 footmen. If they each had a wife, that's 1.2 million. If they each had three kids, we got 3 million people. There's only two. Where are the Joshuas and the Calebs? Other than the one sitting over here. You have great names. Great names. I hope you'll live up to them. I do not want to chase another issue except to do it very quickly. Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Let's do it very quickly. These people were the elect of God. It doesn't matter that you're one of God's elect he can still destroy you like he did the sinning saints in the church at Corinth. Let's just quickly remind ourselves, we're not going to have the elect of God in the next verse, and we're not going to have the elect of God in the next verse, but we're going to have the elect of God in this verse. And God can destroy his own people, he can destroy his own beloved chosen elect, the ones that he chastened, and this is chastening, this did not condemn them. This condemned them as far as their practical salvation in the land of Canaan, but it was chastening. I want to show you just a few verses here in the Old Testament. Then we can look at a couple in the New and, and just get go past the point. Because it's not the lesson. The lesson is for us to tremble before this God that He, will, he Himself will judge those who trifle with His Word. Right. Who do not want to hold fast to the grace of God that was once delivered to the saints. We are not looking for an evolving doctrine or an evolving practice. It's not getting better. Christianity is not better than it was a hundred years ago. It's far worse. as measured by holiness and spiritual fruit, not by decibels. Of course the decibels are louder. Our grandfathers in the faith did not have amplifiers. But loudness doesn't prove a thing. The devil worshippers have always been loud. They wanted to drown out the sound of your baby screaming its last as it was burned in the fire to Molech. Just like an average rock concert today. Blow your brains out with that music. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God's choice and God's love are very plain here. Chapter 8 and verse 5. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. So we know that these are not bastards, but sons, because the Lord was chastening them like a good father does his children. Chapter 14 in the book of Deuteronomy, verse 1. Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Chapter 33 of Deuteronomy. And verse 1, and this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousands of saints from his right hand when a fiery law for them. Yea, he loved the people. All his saints are in thy hand, and they sat down at thy feet. Every one shall receive of thy words." Then we come over to 1 Corinthians 10. I just want to remind you of this. People think because they're in a church that they're safe. People think because they have some evidence in their life that they're God's elect that they're safe. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of this generation and what happened to them. I will therefore put you in remembrance. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. They were the Lord's. They partook of the Lord Jesus Christ by figurative emblems in the wilderness of rocks and water and bread from heaven. But with many of them he was not well pleased because they lived in rebellion against taking the best for their lives. And so God destroyed them. Let's come back to Jude. That's been taught before, but I just wanted to remind you, it's not Jude's point, so we don't belabor it. The point that we want here is to tremble before the God of heaven about trifling with His Word, His commandments, your role in life and His promises. He's given us great and precious promises. Are they enough for you to cleanse yourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit? Second Corinthians 7.1, are they, they not quite enough? Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Do you have everything out of your life and out of your mind that would corrupt your worship of God so that He would be displeased with you and destroy you like He did these people of God? This was the church. The church's membership was shrunk to two. Plus unbaptized children. How would that look? Church membership. Two. Plus 3 million unbaptized children. 20 years of age and under. They took the land of Canaan. And did they ever take the land of Canaan? Right. Yes. Oh, did they take the land of Canaan. Mm-hmm. And the Lord was with them. Mm-hmm. Splitting the Jordan River helped. First city walls falling down flat helped. The Lord was with them. Mm-hmm. They did better than their fathers. So what I said this morning there was one generation that outshone their fathers, wasn't there? Right. Praise the Lord for that. They believed at times, but they were generally unfaithful. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 tells us that they didn't believe the gospel preached to them. The good news that was preached to them about Canaan, they rejected it. And he swore against their wrath. They lusted. It's all listed in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 6 through 10. They lusted, they idolized, they, they were guilty of idolatry, they fornicated, they tempted God, they murmured. And God destroyed them on each one of those occasions. There were many instances of God's displeasure with them and severe judgment of them. No one over the age of 20 made it to Canaan, except Joshua and Caleb. In this case, God spared everyone of the age of 20, which is very unusual for Him. Very unusual for Him. Right. In the flood, God didn't care. In the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, God didn't care. He didn't care how old or young you were. In this case, those under the age of 20 survived. The ones that they were worried about, they took the land of Canaan. I just want to, the reason I make that point is if you want to trifle with God's Word, He's going to destroy your family along with you. Unless He works a miracle and he's, he's never promised miracles. If you want to trifle with God's Word, He's going to turn your family upside down. If you want to be slothful and negligent about God's Word, He's going to mess your family up. He's going to take the souls of your children. He gave them to you, and you are rebelling against Him by being slothful in training them. And protecting them and being vigilant. They'll amount to nothing. It It will be nothing like the commendation that was given earlier this morning. He's not going to always hold out mercy, brethren. Turn back to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 14. I am so thankful for the mercy of God, and I hope everyone else in here is very thankful for the mercy of God. Amen. Mercy means He has you under His thumb, and you are guilty, and He should destroy, but He doesn't. That's mercy. He's had me dead to rights a thousand times. And a few young people think that you can get away with a thousand. Maybe I never heard someone like me tell me that they had been dead to rights a thousand times and we're thankful for it because you're hearing that now therefore you're accountable for something I may not have heard quite the same that's right you do not know when god's patience with you is going to run out there is no set time in the bible it ran out on these folks and do you know how long it was they're groaning and sighing in egypt did their groaning and sighing come up into heaven yes. did he hear that yes did he feel sorry for them did he get angry Did He mount His clouds and come riding down into Egypt and tear that place to shreds? Did He love His people? Did He magnify His people? Did He send them a great leader? Did He bust open rocks to give them water? Did He split the Red Sea and drown the largest army on earth? He did all that for them. He heard them. But watch what happens when you trifle with Him. When you trifle with His Word and you trifle with His promises. And you deal disrespectfully in the Word of God. Look what happens. Numbers chapter 14. Verse 23. I want, I want to go all the way back to verse 21. The nation has just said we want to go back to Egypt. Here's what God said. Verse 21. As truly as I live, all the earth, shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Do you know what the glory of the Lord is in this context? It's not a praise band. It's not an Easter drama. It's not a Christmas cantata. It's the destruction of every adult in Israel over the age of 20, except Caleb and Joshua. All the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Remember when God swore to Abraham, He said, surely, blessing I will bless thee. What did He say to these people? Surely they shall not see it. Truly as I live. Do you know how we swear? As the Lord liveth. Do you know how God swore? As the Lord liveth. But except since he was the Lord, truly, as I live. Do you follow the oath? He swore in his wrath. Brethren, let's not let him swear in his wrath. Let's stave off his wrath. Turn today and repent from whatever is wrong in your heart, your mind, your life whatever habits, whatever practices, whatever friends, whatever music, whatever neglect of God's Word, whatever despite of your parents, whatever disrespect for the worship of God, whatever dislike you have for the pastor, and I'm sorry that he gave you. Humble yourself before God and thank Him for what He's given you and bless His holy name. Repent today. And get serious about this God because He is deadly serious. As truly as I live. Do you know how true that is? There is only one being in the universe. That can raise his right hand to heaven and swear. I live forever. Because I am independent. Of all creator or creature helps. I am that I am. I live forever. He swore in his wrath. Look at verse 28. Say unto them, Moses, you go tell them. As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Verse 30. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land. Doubtless. Verse 35. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely Do it unto all this evil generation. When you read the Word of God, do you read it as carefully as you should? Do you see the words that I'm pulling out and how powerful they are and how weighty? And when God swears, it's horrible. You cannot undo it. It's too late. Look at verse 40. And they rose up early in the morning and gat them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and we will go up unto the place which the Lord hath promised. For we have sinned. We have sinned. We will go up and do what God wants us to do. I want to tell you that there comes a time where God will not hear your prayer of repentance. He will not hear it. He will not accept it. And He will not accept your right action. He will not bless even right action after repentance because He can swear against men as He swore against the church in the Old Testament. Or, worse yet, he takes away your desire and ability to repent and do right action and gives you a dry, barren heart instead. He sends leanness into your soul where you do not have the ambition, desire even to follow God. You're just going through the motions and you're dead. That is worse. At least these people were crying out to God for mercy and saying that they had sinned. But notice, it was not sincere, because they were trying to make up for one sin by another. Watch. Moses said in verse 41, Wherefore, now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and ye shall fall by the sword." Because ye are turned away from the Lord, therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up unto the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites which dwelt in that hill, and smote them and discomfited them even unto Hormah. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Let's read the other account. Let's fill ourselves with this event of history. This is history that ought to be taught. This is history that will change lives. There's nothing you can learn in a history book that will help you. This will change your life if God is merciful and lets these words sink into your soul. That there can come a time where God will take away your desire to pray the the prayer of repentance or where God will not hear your prayer of repentance. As he did these. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 41. Moses is describing the event later. Then ye answered and said unto me, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight according to all that the Lord our God commanded us. And when ye had girded on every man his weapons of war, ye were ready to go up into the hill. And the Lord said unto me, Say unto them, Go not up, neither fight, for I am not among you, lest ye be smitten before your enemies. So I spake unto you, and ye would not hear, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord, and went presumptuously up into the hill." And the Amorites which dwelt in that mountain came out against you and chased you as bees do, and destroyed you in Seir, even unto Hormah. And ye returned and wept before the Lord. Hear me. Hear the word of the Lord. That's all I meant by that. I have nothing to give you except the words of the Lord. And ye returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not hearken to your voice, nor give ear unto you, so ye abode in Kadesh many days." What is the application? We should tremble at the word of God. We are told in this passage of the little epistle of Jude to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. We need to find it. We need to learn it. We need to believe it. We need to teach it. We need to be taught it. We need to defend it. We need to fight for it. We need to hold on to it. We cannot let it slip. We cannot confuse it. We cannot question it. We hold it dear. We do not let it be modified. We do not let it be diluted. We want the pure Word of God and nothing less. On every point of doctrine and practice, show us, Lord, that we will not move on any point of doctrine until the Lord God of heaven shows us such overwhelming evidence that it crushes our previous position on that point of doctrine or practice and fits the entire revelation of Scripture far more perfectly than our previous He has done that for us in the past. And we bless and praise His holy name. He is able to bring overwhelming evidence to bear so that we humble ourselves and say we were wrong. And I am not ashamed to get up and attack me as much as anyone else for having ever preached something in error and tell you how we did it. And show you the new way. Some of you are old enough to know about some of those. You can remember some of them. Mm -hmm. Thank you, blessed God. But until then, forget it. Forget it. You can pile up all the evidence you think you have. I'm going to laugh at it. That's the application. Amen. This is a Holy Spirit reminder that we better tremble at the Word of God when He commands us to do something. Amen. And there's commands in the New Testament for how we're supposed to worship Him, and we better tremble before Him and we want to do it with all our might. We want to do it with all our zeal. We want to do it with all of our commitment because God's told us to do it. This warning is in the New Testament. The examples from the old, the warnings in the new, because it was going to happen to those false teachers that had crept into the churches that Jude was addressing. We should tremble at the word of God when he promises to take care of us. When God promises to take care of you in some way, when you get afraid and you start mouthing off that God isn't taking care of you and God isn't blessing you, and you're not just cast down, you're destroyed, you are gonna be destroyed. He has done too much already for everyone in the Bible that we can read about, and He's already done too much for you, for you to get fearful and to, and to lose faith just because there's a little bit of adversity in your life. It is one thing to be cast down. It is an entirely different thing to be destroyed. That's right. And when you get destroyed, He's gonna destroy you further. Moses, tell Israel that I love Him. Tell Israel that I've got a land flowing with milk and honey. That I will go with them. That I will be with them every single day. Yes. Tell them, Moses. Water would come out of rocks. Golden grams fell from heaven. Yes. Wow, well, that's the closest thing I can tell you that it was. You know, I've loved dipping. Never mind. Dave Taylor knows I've loved dipping graham crackers in milk for a long time. Too long. It's the easiest way to go through a pound of graham crackers. Just have a good supply of milk. But you know what? They had it every day. You know, they had quail every day. It was so wonderful. A pillar of cloud all day long knowing there is our God. Do you know what he just did to the Pharaoh? You know, we don't have a trained army, but if anybody wants to mess with us, look at our God. And at night, a pillar of fire. When Moses would go into the tabernacle, the glory of the Lord, when he would come, when he would come down from having met with the Lord... Do you remember what he had? He had to put a bag over his head. Right. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He had to put a veil over his face because he was glowing. That's right. They couldn't look at him. How wonderful that was. Moses, tell him about this land. It's flowing with milk and honey. I've let seven other nations in there and worked very hard for several hundred years digging deep wells and planting huge vineyards that are now grown. The vines are huge, Moses. They're huge. The houses are all built. The cities have walls. And the houses are all full of furniture from expensive stores. Go in and take it all. Do you need any promises from the New Testament or the Old that still apply to you? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Honor thy father and thy mother that it may go well with thee. You want to mess with that promise and think that your life can go well for you, not honoring your father and your mother? He will tear you to pieces. That's right. You say, I obey my parents. That is not honoring your father and your mother. If you have forgotten the lesson, see me at break time. I will help you honor your father and your mother, and it has nothing to do with obeying them. This is the word of the Lord to us from Jude 1.5. His commands and his promises create the cause for every saint to be a Caleb or a Joshua. Where are the Calebs and the Joshuas in this assembly? David would say, when David happened upon the army of Israel intimidated by the giant Goliath of the Philistines, David said, is there not a cause? What are you men sitting around for you, babies? Is there not a cause? What are you, you little whippersnapper? Is there not a cause? Somebody needs to go do it. I'll do it. Where are the Joshua's and where are the Caleb's in this assembly? To earnestly contend for the faith and fight for it and to never give it up. It may be in your family. Are you a Joshua and a Caleb? Joshua and Caleb did not bring their brothers into the land of Canaan. They did not bring their fathers into the land of Canaan. They did not bring their uncles into the land of Canaan. They did not bring their brother-in-laws into the land of Canaan. Is there a Joshua and a Caleb in here? God help us. God help us to be a Joshua and a Caleb. It may be in your marriage. You women, you women had better be as strong as Abigail, as courageous as Jael, like a Hannah, like a Michael, Who defied her father to practice the truth. Your husband has no more authority over your faith than President Barack Obama has over mine. And I'll tell you how much that is. None. You do not follow your husband when truth is at stake. You follow the truth. Where is a Joshua and a Caleb? Where is Mrs. Joshua? And where is Mrs. Caleb? We ought to obey God rather than men. That is so simple. That applies to every sphere of authority there is. There is no difference. difference. If you want to save your family, woman, if you want to bless your family, then, get, then grow a backbone. A spiritually minded backbone that has discretion and understands when and how she ought to remind her husband and then resist her husband if he's doing something wrong in the family. Abigail was a beautiful woman of a good understanding, First Samuel 25. And when she heard that he was about to kill David, the Bible tells us very clearly by the Holy Spirit, she did not tell her husband. She gathered some things together and went out and met David and provided for his men so that he would not come and wipe out the men of her household. She is set up as a great example and has an entire chapter written about her. You better live up to that name. Young girl, are you awake? Okay, I know you were. Where's the Joshuas and the Calebs? Lord, help us. Are you a Joshua and a Caleb? Are you Mrs. Joshua or Mrs. Caleb?